0: We're going to start a new series this week on freedom. Um, that's going to go for the next four weeks. And kind of our thinking around that is just that this, just the idea of freedom and the concept of freedom is just so important. It's just so massive, um, even as we were talking about just before about just how valuable it is that we can even freely meet here when many people can't in the world. Um, in, in the bible we're going to look at what jesus says about freedom and find that he he it's a really important thing to him freedom is a really important thing to god and freedom is a really important thing to our society as well so we, we need to talk about this like what does it actually mean to be free how do we actually live in this and grow in freedom what is it how how do how, what do we do if we are free and um, how how might we have some right understandings and wrong understandings compared with what jesus says in that so that's sort of where we're going the next 4 weeks um if we're talking about freedom, there's one movie that probably comes to mind um, pretty quickly, which is Braveheart, which is an awesome movie. Um, probably most of you have seen it. If you haven't, it's, it's pretty good. Um, and as you watch the movie, like I don't know if you're like me, but there's like this deep resonance with it because there's these people who are, who are fighting for freedom. they're The Scots who are under the, the rule of the English and, and they're not free, right? Like, they, they can't really make their own decisions or live the life that they want to live. But they do have the freedom to fight and to fight for freedom. And they, and they exercise that. And there's almost this inner freedom and strength they have that, that cannot be taken away. And that's like the catch cry of the movie, that they, they, they're fighting and they say, you can take our lives, but you can't take our freedom. Like, we will fight for this. And you see it all the way even to the end of the film. And, and in, in the movie... Um, Mel Gibson, William Wallace is there, he's being captured, he's being executed, he's being tortured, and they're trying to get him to give up. They're trying to get him to ask for mercy, they're trying to get him to change his mind, and they can't. And his final words in the film, in the film, he yells out, freedom, and then dies. And, and he proves that they cannot take his freedom. They can take the external freedoms, but they 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 can't take this inner freedom that he has to fight to get free. And we, we know that, like, that that's that's good, right? Like, we're not supposed to be under restrictions. Like, we're supposed to be able to live a free life. We're supposed to be able to be in a free country. The interesting thing, though, is that we pretty much have that now, right? Like, like where we live in Australia, particularly sort of Western um, countries, this century, like, there is a whole lot of freedom. Like, we live in a very, very free country, perhaps the most free Ever that 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 you can do so many things that people in history have not been able to do. That you can go pretty much any way you want. You can live pretty much any way you want. You can marry who you want. You can you can do you can go go places. You can you can do all sorts of things in this society now. There's a whole lot of freedom, right? And and really, in some ways, one of the highest values of our culture is really the freedom of the individual. That that each person should be free to live the life they want and do what they do. And this is really going to the extreme. I was reading a blog, a blog um, this week, and it was talking about how like, we need to make sure that we're not restricted by other people's versions of freedom. Like, Some people might think freedom is traveling and freedom is quitting a job, but we need to make sure we're not, we're not bound into thinking that we have to do that. We have to make sure that we can do what we want to do, because that's freedom. And that if we don't want to travel and, and quit our jobs, then we just want to live our jobs, and that, that's good for us. And it's just this idea that whatever we do, we, we should be able to create our own life, make our life count, um, decide what we want to do. The, the more and more freedom we have to do whatever we want, the better life will be. But the, but the interesting thing is that, that it doesn't seem to really be working right. Like, like there's, there's this, always this push for more and more freedom. And what we're going to look at is, is, is how Jesus understands the actual issue, because perhaps the issue is not just external constraints. There might be external constraints, but a lot of them have gone now, and there's not that many external constraints on people, but there's, there's still this drive for more. There's still this need for more and more freedom. So what we're going to do is look at John 8, and we're going to look at what Jesus understands about freedom, but also what he understands is truly the problem. What he understands is truly what we're a slave to, because it's only when we really understand what the problem is and and, and what's actually enslaving us that we can actually understand how to be free and what freedom actually looks like. This is what Jesus says in John chapter 8. He said, so Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples and you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So Jesus is saying, if you follow me, if you do what I'm saying to do, if, if, you, if you come my way, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. By implication, right, he's saying to the people who are listening to him that they're not free, but they don't like that. This is what, how they respond. They say, these, these are Jews, people of Israel, they say, we are offspring of Abraham and we have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say we will become free? So they're saying, they're saying, we don't need to be free, we, we are free. And this is a really strange thing for them to say. Because they, they have either just forgotten the history of Israel or they're just kind of really proud. But because Israel was slaves in Egypt and they exiled into to Babylon. And right now while they're talking to Jesus, they're under the Roman occupation. So they're, they're, they actually aren't free. But it's, it's possible they're just, they're just sort of being proud and forgetful. Or it's possible that they're, they're saying, no, look, we, we're children of Abraham. Abraham was the man of God and we're part of his family no matter what sort of external circumstances are, we, we, we're free. We're free people. We're the people of God. And and they might sort of be speaking against Jesus in that way. But Jesus, again, gets to the root and gets to the heart. What is actually the issue? What is it actually that we're slaves to that we need to be freed from? And this is what he says. Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Jesus says that the, actually the thing that we're in slavery to is not external. It's not external constraints, although they're not good, right? Like being being in slavery or, or being un, un, under an oppressive um, dictator or something, is not good, right? But, but even if we were free from that, which we are here, there's still an internal sense of slavery and bondage that's there. The problem is actually an inner problem, and the problem is sin. And that kind of just sounds like a uh, sort of a bit of a cliche Christian thing, like okay, so the problem's sin. But if we think, what does that, this actually mean? Like, how do we actually understand what Jesus is talking about? And how is it slavery? If we think about from from the Christian worldview, from the, from the story of the Bible, from what the, the way Jesus sees the world, right? This earth and and our, us, everyone is created by this God who's three persons in one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This community of love creates this world speaks it into existence, and creates people in His image. And when He makes us in His image, He makes us to, to love Him and to know Him and to trust Him and to love each other and have this, this, this intimacy with each other and to care for this world and, and create and cultivate. And this is, this is God's desire, and that's good, and that's freedom. And, and sin, really, is instead of being in this open place of love for God and love for others and care, that we turn in. And instead of loving God, we focus on ourselves. Instead of caring for other people, we we consume them or use them to meet our own needs. Instead of caring for the world and doing good, we destroy. And this is how one commentator describes this, what Jesus is talking about when he talks about being a slave to sin. He describes it like this. Jesus does not mean whoever commits a sin, like just does something wrong, but whoever habitually asserts his own will, priding himself on his own independence Following his own inclinations and primarily concerned with pleasing himself. Whoever, in a word, is living a self-centered life is a slave. Such a person is confined within the limits of their own self-interest. Basically, what he's saying, that sin is basically bondage and addiction to, to self. It's this 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 life that's all about me, making my life work. It, 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 I can't trust God, I can't trust other people, I need to make things work, I need to get what I need to get. And Jesus is actually saying that that's slavery. Interesting thing, right, is that what Jesus is describing there sounds a whole lot like what, what our culture says is actually the pursuit of freedom. That, that, that our culture will say the, the free life is the life where you can do whatever you want, where you make your own rules, where you plot your own destiny, where you're completely independent. But Jesus is saying, actually, no, that is the problem, that that's actually slavery, that that actually you actually can't get out of that. You're actually in this cycle, in this place of being stuck, focused on self. This is the first part of the problem that Jesus is describing, that we are not actually internally free, but slaves of sin in bondage to self. But Jesus keeps on going and again again we see his worldview challenges sort of the worldview of, of modern society and he he goes further with this and this is what he says here I tell you you are offspring of Abraham So the people he's talking to yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you I speak of what I've seen of my father you do what you've heard of your father and Jesus goes into this contrast of two fathers and what he's basically doing is he's saying these 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 Jews are saying that we're children of Abraham the man who believed God and followed God. And, and we are not listening to Jesus. And Jesus is saying, my father is the true God. And Jesus is saying to them, if you were listening to me, if your true father was my father, you would understand and you'd believe what I'm saying. The fact that you don't believe shows that you're not really of the true father. You're of the other father. And Jesus is, is we're not going to look at the whole passage, but if you read on in John 8, you sort of see this come out. But what he's basically doing for, for our purposes here, we can see that there's actually no neutral ground in our world. There's, uh, we, we kind of have this idea often that, that we can kind of stand back and we can be independent and we can sort of decide who we want to serve and who, who we want to be, who, whose sort of world we want to be a part of and what we want to believe in. And, and we stand back in sort of our own independent place to do that. But Jesus says, that's not true, that actually there's only two options and actually, by default, we're in the, the, the realm of this other father. This is what um, one commentator writes about this idea that we're not actually on neutral ground. He says, The notion of the radically independent individual who can do as he or she may please without reference to any authority an image regularly celebrated in post-Enlightenment culture is in fact a man of straw. He's saying that this is not true. This, this idea that, that you can just live for yourself and just be your own person and, and assert your own will and live the life you want to do is actually not true. You actually can't do that. This free person is a myth who never existed and never will. We are radically, incurably, and eternally dependent beings who were made to serve. And what we're going to see, right, is what Jesus is saying is that those who assert their own will, those who are slaves to sin, Those who who think that they're living for themselves are actually living for the father of lies is how he describes him. And Jesus contrasts these two fathers, these two options, that there's no neutral ground. That Jesus has come from his father, and he's come with this message of freedom and truth and eternal life and light. And those who are opposing him, he says, are listening to the father of lies, who's characterized by enslavement and lies and death and darkness, and we see this right right at the, right back at the start of the story again, when, when God has created the world. He's made us in his image, made us to love him and to know him and care for him. But this father of lies is there at the start and questions God and says to them, is God really good? Is God really looking after you? Do you know, you could get things better by yourself. In fact, if you made your life work, it would probably be better because God's holding things back from you and this is he, he's lying to them at the start and and this is this is continued right but this idea that that we can live and do our own will and and just have our own life is actually serving him it looks like we're serving ourselves but we're actually serving in this kingdom not the kingdom of Jesus father so again this the, the, the world is is split only in these two realms and we need to be delivered from one of them so this is the problem and this is this is the, the the issue that at the core of what we need freedom from, according to Jesus, he says, we're not internally free, but slaves of sin in bondage to self, and we're not on neutral ground. But we're actually a part of a kingdom of darkness. But that that is the issue that Jesus gets to. That that's how he defines it. But the good news is right is that that he cares about freedom, that he cares about setting people free, and this is this is why he came, and that there's freedom in Jesus. And if those are the problems, if if those are the the root cause, he he is the only solution. Knowing him will be the only way to have freedom. This is what he says in this passage in John 8. He describes it like this. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Again, Jesus is defining the world the way that he sees it. And and he's saying that everybody he's using this metaphor of, of, of slave and son in the house of a father, right? And and there's a, there's a father's house and there's a son and the son has authority in this house and the son has a permanent place in this house. A slave in the house doesn't really have a say in anything. They're just there. They might be there for a while. They might leave. They cannot free themselves. And Jesus is talking about himself and saying that he's the son. And that everybody else is a slave. Jesus is saying that that He's come and He's the only one who is free. He's saying He's the only one who is not a slave. Everybody else in the world is a slave. Everyone else has has turned in and is a part of this kingdom of darkness. But He says, I'm here as the Son. And the Son remains forever. And then He says this amazing thing. Who the Son sets free, you'll be free indeed. And this is, this is the message of Jesus, that, that God has come to the world. He sent His Son to the world to free us, to redeem us, to bring us back to this relationship with Him that He intended from the start. And that all we do is, is believe that that's true. We believe Him, that, that Jesus is the one to free us. He, the Son has come to free us. And as soon as we put our confidence in Him, we are free. He's, he's taken us. And, and, and made us His. This is what it says in Romans. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is a, this is a radical thing about Christianity, right? That it's not that we have to perform and get right and make sure we're good enough for God. And it's not that oh, I've done too many terrible things, God could never accept me. It's actually not about performance at all. It's actually that Jesus comes and says, we can do nothing, but I've done everything. I've made the way fully open for you. All you need to do is believe me. All you need to do is is believe who I am, trust in what I've done, and and, and we can know God. And that's this amazing thing that we have a a confidence before God that's just based on faith, which is actually what Abraham had. That's the thing that Abraham was known about. We might talk about that over the next couple of weeks, that, that he just believed God and that, that made Him in right relationship with God. And now that's true for us. If we just believe Him, we're in right relationship with Him. We can know Him and know that freedom. So we see there's freedom in Jesus by placing our confidence in Him to save us, by resting in Him to save us. And this actually frees us from performance, it frees us from, from, from needing to, to make our life work in order to get right with God or from being disqualified at all. Now... now most of us know this, right? Like, like, That's kind of the basics of Christianity. But often we, we stop there and don't go any further. And often maybe we're not actually experiencing and growing in freedom. But this is what Jesus says. He says not to stop there. This is what he says. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see what he's saying here, he's, he's saying to them that as you listen to my word, as you, as you believe it, as you put it into action, as you follow it, as you base your life on what I've said, then you're truly my disciples. And, and this word disciple, like we don't use it today, and it's kind of confusing. And, and, and a, a better word perhaps to understand what Jesus is talking about is apprentice, That Jesus is saying, if you follow my word, if you listen to me, you're truly my apprentice. You're living your life to follow me and, and do what I do and become like me. Then you will know the truth, the reality that was Jesus' reality, the reality of the kingdom of God, the reality of God's presence, God's rule, God's love. You will know it and that will set you free. But you see, Jesus is, is, this, this is this is about actually following him and putting this into practice and living as his apprenticeship on this journey of freedom. Because as we said before, right, the only free person is Jesus, and he can free us from, from the penalty of sin. He can free us out of this kingdom. But then it's only as we become more like him that we actually grow in freedom, that we actually grow in being fully human. That Jesus is the full, perfect human, the image of God. That that we were made to be. That's been lost. But as we we set our lives to follow Him and be like Him, it's actually a growth in freedom. So Jesus says, there's freedom in Him through living as His apprentice. And th- this is this is again not like a like you have to make sure you follow the rules, otherwise God's going to not be pleased with you. Like I think so- sometimes we've talked about like actually needing to do what Jesus said like that. But that's not what he's saying. What, think about it like this, right? Like, like we sometimes just think about Jesus as Savior, which he is. But if we think about Jesus as the smartest man there ever is, right, the most amazing person who's ever walked the earth, the person who is from heaven, who knows the kingdom of God, who knows everything about the world, who is the only truly free person who has the best way to live. And he says, as you follow me and dwell in my word and, and grow with me, you will grow in this freedom and this life of the, of, of the kingdom of heaven. Like, it only makes sense if we believe him that we would then become his apprentice, that we, that we, would, we would then say, Jesus, the, the goal of my life is to follow you and, and, to, and to love you and to do what you do and, and, to, and to grow with you. But that, that sounds weird, right? Like that sounds like, no, we're just, we're just meant to be saved by grace and then we don't have to do anything. But this, this is not what I'm, what I'm saying. I'm not talking about earning at all. This is how one writer describes it, right? Grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning. So God's grace is actually given to us so that we can know him and so that we can grow and be like him. But earning is an attitude and effort is an action. So what we're saying is to actually follow Jesus as his apprentice actually requires effort, actually requires intention and, and decision to dwell in his word, to, to follow him, to base our life upon his life, actually is effort. And, and there's grace to do that. There's the Holy Spirit's power to do that. But it's not with this attitude of earning that we need to do that to get right with God. Because, again, that would be kind of like rules and law and legalism. But it's that we, we let him change our hearts, we remember His love. We remember who He is, and and if we believe who He is, we'll follow Him and do what He did. And that Jesus is saying that that is the path to freedom. So to to fix this ultimate problem that we have, He says there's freedom in Jesus by placing confidence in Him to save us, and through living as His apprentice and and going on and and growing and dwelling in that. And we're going to talk a bit more about what that looks like over the next few weeks and try to sort of to work that out as well. But We see in the New Testament that there's people, right, who who know this level of freedom. And again, this level of freedom that Jesus is talking about is is a level of freedom that that is this inner sense of confidence that no matter what is going on outside, no matter what sort of external restrictions are there, that that it it cannot be taken away. I'm going to read out this, this passage. It's a little bit longer. I'm going to read it all out because I think it's really good. It's from Romans 8. And Paul, the apostle, knows this, right? Like he's, he's followed Jesus as his disciple, as his apprentice. He knows this truth and it set him free. And he, he writes with this amazing confidence, even in the midst of difficulty. This is what he says from the end of Romans 8. Paul's speaking, what should we say then? Since God is on our side, who can be against us? God did not spare his own son. He gave him up for us all. Then won't he also freely give us everything else, Who can bring any charge against God's chosen one? God makes us right with himself. Who can sentence us to death? No one. He's saying no one can touch us. God is with us. Christ Jesus is at the right hand of God and is also praying for us. He died. More than that, he was raised to life. Who can separate us from Christ's love? Can trouble or hardship or harm or hunger? Can nakedness or danger or war? It is written, because of you, we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than winners. We owe it all to Christ who has loved us. I'm absolutely sure that not even death or life can separate us from God's love. Not even angels or demons, the present or the future or powers can separate us. Not even the highest places or the lowest or anything else in all creation can separate us. Nothing at all can ever separate us from God's love. That's because of what Jesus our Lord has done. Like That is an amazing level of freedom, right? That no matter what comes at us, no matter what happens, the, the, the reality of God's love, the reality of the kingdom that's here and among us gives us that sort of confidence. right? But, but, it, but it doesn't happen when we just, just believe, but we actually need to walk as His apprentice and, and grow in this reality. And Jesus says, as we do that, we will know the truth, and the truth will set us free. So I don't know where you, where you might be at, with this tonight, but maybe there's sort of two, two ways that you could respond to this. Um, first is maybe you've never heard this message of grace. You've never heard this message of like the, the actual root problem being this sin and this, this self-centeredness that's a part of us. And you've actually never put your confidence in Jesus as the one who's come to save, as the one who's come to, to, to make things right. And if you've never done that, and, and you're seeing who He is, and you're seeing how amazing He is, you can place your confidence in Him. And if, and if you believe Jesus, if, you're, if your confidence is in Him, then, then, then you're in. It's like, that's it. We, just, we put our faith in Him. We have this relationship with God of faith, so you can just do that if you've never done that before. Where you might be, though, maybe, maybe you've never actually thought about this idea of actually living as Jesus' apprentice. Maybe that's never really been presented to you, or maybe you've never actually made that decision that that actually my life is going to be about living like Jesus and seeking to be with Him and be like Him and do what He did. And maybe maybe it's just because you've never decided or thought to do that. And a response could be to, to think about who He is. Because if, if He really is the, the Lord of the universe, if He really is the most amazing person to ever walk the earth, if He really is the Son of God, then it only makes sense that we would actually follow Him and do what He says and, and live the life that He has. And we need to work out what that looks like. Sometimes that's been misrepresented. But but it would make sense for us to follow Him and seek what He wants. And if you're thinking about that or you're not you're not sure about that, something to do maybe this week or something to do maybe over the next four weeks, even as we're talking about freedom, is is to... Just spend some time asking God to to reveal this truth to you. Spend some time asking Jesus for him to show himself to you. Asking to be able to see how great he is. Asking to be able to see his truth. Just asking God, asking for this ability to to, to understand and see things as they are. And then to do what Jesus said, to dwell in his word. And, And... to start with, that could just look like maybe over the next few weeks, spending some time reading through the Gospels and, and reading Jesus' Word, reading what He taught, reading the things that He cared about and the things that He did. Sometimes just like doing this in a, over a big chunk of time, just like reading through a whole Gospel can be really powerful because you get this clear picture of Jesus. And there's, there's times I've done that, I've just been struggling, and then just just read through a Gospel that can just just bring freedom and bring bring help and life. You can start to see things clearly again. So... So maybe dwelling in his word, looking at his teaching, seeing who he is. And then again, coming to that point where we actually decide, actually, we, I'm going to be an apprentice of Jesus. I'm going to follow him. His is the path to freedom. His is, his is the true way, the path to life. And that this is actually what, what he wants us to do, to, to actually follow him and learn to live as he lived. And that is the true way To live, and imagine if, like we, we were a community that would look like that. Like that, that we're a community of apprentices to Jesus, that 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 are growing in being like Jesus and following Him, and that's the goal of our lives. And how amazing that would be. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna um, pray. We're actually gonna take communion now, as sort of as a response to this. So as as we're doing that, you might like to think through, um, just where you're at with a couple of those things, and and just take this time just to sit and dwell with, with this, this, this reality of God's love that's presented in the cross, that, that he went to that extreme to show how much he cares for us and how much he loves us, that he would send his son, that he would hang on a cross, that he would even be praying for people who are attacking him while he's on the cross. That's just how great his love is. That's just how much he cares for us and, and, and just how much goodness he has for us. So we're gonna we're gonna take communion. You can take, if if you if that's you and you believe Jesus and your confidence is in Him, come and just spend this time just just reflecting on Him and reflecting on His words and His path to freedom. So I'm gonna pray, and then we'll do that. Jesus, thank you so much that that you are the answer to our to our true need, that you are the Son who's who's come to the earth to save and to restore and, and to give us life and show us the right way to live. Thank you that we don't have to figure out life on our own, but we can follow you and that, that you lead us in good paths. And Lord, we just pray that you would meet us here right now, that your presence just would dwell among us as we just um, just remember you in communion. And we just pray, would you, would you reveal your ways to us more? Would you help us to see your truth and your goodness and give our lives to follow you. Would, you. would you help us to be people who are characterized by freedom and life that would be attractive to others, that they would see the life that we have, that they would see the confidence that we have. God, would you grow us? Would you show us how to grow in that more and more? So we just pray this in your name, amen.